Welcome to Cooper and Company, where politics meets people. We are so excited that you have taken time out of your busy schedule to join us. The mission of this podcast is to engage, inspire, educate, and entertain. That being said, today's episode is brought to you by 1-800-FLORALS. Flowers are a wonderful way and a very thoughtful way to convey your love and friendship or support. It is an ageless expression of caring and sending flowers online is so easy easy to do. Just use the link provided in our show notes. You can select from their year-round flower arrangements, fresh autumn favorites, cheery birthday bouquets, and thoughtful anniversary gifts. And this time of year is a wonderful time just to say, hey, I'm thinking of you, and especially during these times where we have to social distance. So don't forget to use the link in our show notes and send flowers to that special person today. By the way, I want to say thank you to my associate producer, Cindy Lynn, for assisting me in this whole podcast production. So everyone, you know the election season is coming up soon. Well, we're actually in the election season, which is the hottest topic on the news. The 2020 United States elections are scheduled for Tuesday, November 3rd, 2020. All 435 seats in the United States House of Representatives, 35 of the 100 seats in the United States Senate, and the Office of the President of the United States will be contested. Voters have a choice of voting in person this fall, casting a ballot via the mail, or placing it in one of the drop boxes that will be available across the state. And in this case, since I have listeners everywhere, this state is in Maryland, so it'll be across every state, any state that you live in, just go to your local website for elections. This past primary season, voters had the option of voting in person or sending in their ballots. It was a bit different for me because I was also a candidate and I had to, you know, we had to redo everything that we knew to uh, the procedure that we had in place as far as going out and meeting people. And we just couldn't do that. So it was a really interesting time for me to really understand the voting process as well. And I had to trust the protocols that were already in place, and I had to know that they were going to work. So today we have invited Dr. Zalea, Director of Voting Coordination to the Montgomery County Board of Elections to our podcast. Dr. Zalea is known to county residents as Dr. Z. He is the Community Empowerment Public Information Officer between the Montgomery County Board of Elections. He's responsible for coordinating community relations and outreach with an emphasis on compliance with Montgomery County Spanish language requirements under the Voting Rights Act. Let's give him a warm welcome and thank you for joining our podcast, Dr. Zelaya. Yay! How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for being our guest on today's show. Although I gave a brief introduction of you, um, can you tell our listeners um, what your job is exactly, like your day-to-day um, activities that you do? Because it was kind of a long title, but in a condensed version, <laughs> what exactly do you do? So, so obviously, I, I, uh, 
ensure that Montgomery County abides by the consent decree uh, placed on us by the Department of Justice, uh, which requires that A to Z, nuts to bolts, is bilingual in English and Spanish. Um, in addition, uh, a look at the the electorate and identify deficiencies. So uh, identifying different ways in which the, the diverse electorate in Montgomery County can access the franchise to ensure that their constitutional right to vote a secret ballot is intact. And also establishing relationships with not only county government officials, but uh, the average voter. Uh, and, and we work closely also with our youth. So if you are entering the franchise or you are an experienced voter, my job is to kind of mesh everyone together because at the end of the day, all roads lead back to the Board of Elections and we want to make sure that we uh, enfranchise you, not disenfranchise you. Mm -hmm. To help enforce social distancing, many states look to expand absentee and vote by mail options for 2020 primary elections and the November general elections. Several elections, including the Maryland 7th Congressional District Special Election, strongly encouraged mail-in voting, but also gave voters the option of voting in person at one of the locations. What do you think about vote by mail? You know, keep in mind that uh, voting by mail, formerly known as absentee voting, has been in place and has been leveraged since the War of 1812 and during the Civil War. So it's been in existence for over 100 years. Um, and every state does it a little bit differently. But, but overall, I think it's a, it's a great way to ensure that voters having concerns with uh, COVID-19 exposure get to exercise uh, their right to vote in the franchise. One of the things I really enjoyed talking to you briefly about um, before this conversation was you were telling me about the process that a lot of um, our residents or the voters don't get to see um, because there's so much that goes on behind the scenes. Can you give us a, an abbreviated version of what that looks like from your vantage point once someone um, registers to vote? And then all the way through that whole process of, okay, they've entered their ballot. And then how do you keep everything secure? Like, I think people really want to know, like, what does happen to my ballot? ballot? And then also the machines that are used, are they certified? Those are some of the questions I know I've come across. Yes. Yeah, so, so, you know, the, the blessings as a voter, you get to vote twice a day every other year in federal elections. Uh, now, the curse as an election administrator and many of our team members is that we have to prepare for that big dance. And even, for example, you just mentioned the voting system, for example, to do logic and accuracy testing per scanner. It, it takes literally like four to five hours per scanner to do this logic and accuracy. And for our touchscreen, just to test 15 ballot marking devices or the touchscreens, uh, in preparation of in-person voting, uh, it takes about seven hours. And so for Montgomery County, we have close to 500 uh, ballot marking device and 250 scanners. You're talking about testing uh, months in advance. Um, and that's not even including voter maintenance of our records to ensure there's no duplicate records that voters who are uh, you know, inactive, we contact them to activate their records. And there's a lot of moving parts that the normal day-to-day -day citizen 
have really no clue. And so what happens is our job between odd years is to ensure that one, you know, the process and mechanisms that exist. And two, if there's any changes, for example, you know, with COVID-19, that we provide all the tools uh, so you could be successful. So there's a lot of coordinating uh, involved so you could exercise your right. And, and we're talking about hours upon hours upon hours and also sacrifices at the personal level. Um, you know, I'm pulling 12 to 14 hours a day, Monday through Sunday. Yeah. And I tend to see my kids before I run to the office and in the evening for a couple of hours just to, you know, just to hang out for 10 minutes. But we do it because we enjoy it and we do it because we want to, we want to serve. How can um, voters request a mail-in ballot? I mean, I know how to do that, but I thought for any listeners out there that aren't familiar, and also when they request a mail-in ballot, is that the same for each state? Are you aware if the policy is the same way for each state? Yeah, so, so the nuances about are the 50 states in the District of Columbia, the fact that they have different mechanism is also uh, a, a kind of a, 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 a defense, a, a safety mechanism as well, because we're not all tied to one system. Um, so that in itself yeah. adds a, a level of security that a lot of voters don't really think about. Um, and if you live in Maryland, the easiest way for you to request to vote by mail is texting the three simple letters VBM for vote by mail, VBM to 77788. That's three sevens and two eight. 77788. And we did this here in Montgomery County because we recognize that there is something called the digital divide and that everyone has a printer at home or Wi-Fi, but the vast majority of us do have cell phones. And so if you have a Maryland driver's license permit or ID, you could text the letters VBM to 77788. Uh, and just in case the deadline, the received deadline here in Maryland is the 20th of October, which is uh, about a couple of weeks down the line. Um, so, but then also you could go to the state website or your corresponding local board of elections, but that texting mechanism is good for any Maryland voter uh, in our state. So what if you decide I want to do a mail-in ballot and then at the last minute you change your mind and you're like, you know what, I think I want to go in person. Is your ballot still valid if you want to vote in person? So that's a great question. So one of the things that we ask our voters is to make a vote plan. And part of that plan is to decide whether you're voting in person or voting by mail. If you decide to vote in person after requesting to vote by mail and you show up at an early voting site or vote center on election day, you will have to vote a provisional ballot. And I'm going to be honest with you, it's going to add considerable amount of time to your voting experience after checking in. So you have one of two options, uh, voting by mail or voting in person. Uh, don't, you know, don't change your mind on the fly because you're going to be upset with us. And I definitely do not want you to be upset with our poll workers, our election judges, because at the end of the day, they are there to serve you, the voter. But if you change your mind, um, that one's on you. So follow through, make a vote plan. And if for whatever reason, it could be that your ballot was lost in the mail, or you lost it or misplaced it. Just be aware that provisional voting is a mechanism to safeguard your right to vote, but also we cannot have you voting more than once. So it's a mechanism that's in place to protect the sanctity of the franchise, 
but legally we cannot turn you away if you're voting in person. So let us do our due diligence. Let us research that provisional ballot submission. And if all is good and you did not return your mail-in ballot, then we will accept your provisional ballot. You know, the other thing I was, um, I, when I was researching, when I was on the website, I thought, wow, you guys have thought of every single question. Um, because I was literally going to go ahead and be like, okay, let me request my ballot. But then as I read further, that's why I asked the question about voting in person. And, you know, you'd have to cast a provisional vote or uh, ballot. That's what made me say, oh, wait, I need to just do uh, one or the other. So I'm so glad that you explained that and clarified that for a lot of people. Um, how do I know if um, the ballot was received and processed? Great question. So, you know, we've created a, a whole uh, system of commands, prompts uh, for texting. Um, the easiest way to check on the status of not only if we received your ballot, but you could check the status uh, if we processed your application request, if we mailed the ballot, and if we received it, and finally, if it's been incorporated into a canvas or counted or scanned, you could text the word CHECK, C-H-E-C-K, the word CHECK, to the same prompt, the same number, which is 77788. And it takes you to the Maryland uh, voter lookup. You would provide your name, date of birth, and zip code, and you could follow literally the timeline of your submission, when the ballot was mailed, when it was received at the local boards, and when it was incorporated into the canvas. But mind you, please, if you do return your ballot, whether it's through the post office or through one of our ballot drop boxes, give us at least seven to 10 days um, because it's, there's a lot, of, a lot of ballots and in-house we're looking at upwards of 350,000 mail-in ballots just in Montgomery County alone. Wow. Um, so let me ask you this. What are some of the rumors out here that you just want to take a few minutes now? We will give you the floor to debunk. Just debunk some of the rumors that you've heard. I'm sure you've been in conversation. People don't know, you know, if you're in the grocery store, people probably don't know how, you know, your affiliation with the voting process. But what are some of the things that you hear just in everyday conversation that you're like, okay, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. And that's not true. <laughs> exactly. So the first one is that we, we are charged to defend your right to vote. So the word disenfranchise, I, I take that word, um, I don't take it lightly. Um, I, I'm a man of color, of Hispanic descent. My family immigrated here years ago. Uh, I'm a first-generation American. And, and that word really hurts to the core because we do everything in our power to secure your right to vote. Number two is really, you know, you have to be registered to vote. And even if you, let's say, move or get married or divorced, you know, we don't really need to know the details but your voter registration record needs to be update. It needs to be on point because if we mail you something, you're not going to get it. And I recall in the primaries, there were thousands upon thousands of ballots that didn't uh, make it to the corresponding voters. And the first thing that they jumped on the press was that the Maryland State Board of Elections or Baltimore or Montgomery County were disenfranchising, disenfranchising voters. The problem was that we had an old record. 
And so whatever record we had when the government made the proclamation to mail voters their corresponding ballot, guess what? We had your old townhome address or your old apartment number. And even if you live in the same apartment, but you move within the same building to a larger apartment, we need to know that apartment number. So please, uh, we don't get that information through osmosis. It's your responsibility <laughs> to update that. One of the reasons why you have to be 18 to register to vote is because we hope that you are an adult and you are responsible. Um, so that's, the, that's one of the other myths. And the other one, the last one is that even if the difference between candidate A and candidate B, it's like, say it's a landslide that we don't count absentee ballots. I could tell you, and my wife would be upset with me, we're counting ballots until the wee hours of the night. And so even if it's a landslide, you know, regardless of what Fox, CNN, NBC states that the this candidate conceded or not, we're still counting ballots. We count every single ballot cast, whether in person or by mail or provisional. So that's the other urban myth. We literally count everything. So at the end of the day, keep your voter registration record up to date. Make sure you know all the nuances in your corresponding date. I always tell people, stop worrying less what's happening in another state, because we hear horror stories of other states that I'm not going to call them out. But in Maryland, we do everything to allow you to exercise your right to vote. But really, you, you have to do your part. That's really great advice. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, and staying kind of in that same realm, we are in the middle of a pandemic. Do you consider this as one of the worst voting experiences you've ever had to witness? Or do you feel like um, it's, um, do you feel like this has actually been one of the more productive voting experiences for voters, for everyone all around. Because just using this as an example, um, a lot of businesses have started to have their employees work from home, which means use of technology. A lot of businesses never thought it would work well at all. And now they're finding out, hey, you know what? This actually is almost better. People are more productive. Do you find that to kind of be the same situation or do you feel like this is really one of the worst um, experiences as far as voting and being prepared that you've had to witness or are there things in place for situations like this already? So I think overall what I've noticed uh, being in this profession since 2003 that our election administrators and staff we're resilient and I don't want to say it's the worst it's it is exciting but it's exhausting and, and at times frustrating because, you know, there's a lot of checks and balances that must take place before we could do our, our work. And sometimes, you know, we're, we're, we're facing north and all of a sudden we have to face east. And it is frustrating, you know, changing on the dime, but it's part of the job. Um, but I think what's exciting is, for example, we're going to implement the concept of vote centers, which is an old concept in the West Coast. States like Colorado, they've been implementing vote centers for years. And because of the pandemic, we have had to leverage uh, the fact that uh, we needed to mitigate the lack of poll workers. And this concept of vote centers, I personally, at least at the Board of Elections, we've been trying to push for the last decade. But because of the pandemic, I think it's exciting that we're actually going to leverage this concept. 
the other concept too is just the sheer amount of paper. We're looking at upwards of 350,000 mail-in ballot requests when historically it would, it would be only, you know, a third of that or a fourth of that. And so identifying those mechanisms in which, you know, it's not just scaling up. It's not just saying we're going to add another 50 people to the Canvas team. It doesn't work like that. Scaling up doesn't work on everything. So it's exhausting, but also it's exciting. And at the end of the day, we want the experience to be seamless uh, for our voters. But I'm always going to go back to the same thing. Make a vote plan and do your part. I love that you use the word exciting. I, I love that because it's so, it is exhilarating, you know, um, when you have to deal with this process. And I really appreciate all the work that you and your team are, are doing to maintain everything. Now, let me ask you this real quick. During the primaries, um, was that the first time you implemented voting centers, like only a few designated centers to... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we did, exactly. So that was kind of the first time, and we, and we had a limited limited locations um, to do the in person because everyone was mailed. All registered voters were mailed their corresponding ballot, and the difference was it was exciting because you know we didn't know what to expect. I think we got an onwards of about two hundred and seventy five thousand ballots back. We did have a good turnout uh, in person uh, turnout. Um, but at the end of the day, the nuance from the primary where voters under the Governor Hogan's proclamation through the State Board of Elections, voters were mailed their ballot. And then it totally flipped for the general where voters were mailed an application. So both that's the exciting part and also the frustration, um, because obviously, you know, as administrators, we had our wish list how we would like to run the elections. But we do respect uh, the individuals above my pay grade. And so at the end of the day, like I said, it's, it's kind of that sweet and sour, you know, uh, mm. but we have to roll with it. During the 2006 Maryland gubernatorial elections, the Montgomery County Board of Elections developed the Future Vote Initiative to train and assign 6th through 12th grade students to county precincts for the purpose of assisting voters becoming prepared and engaged as future voters and actively participating in the election process through election day support. So what specifically is new about this program and how do you um, educate young teenagers about civic engagement? And the last question in this one big group of questions is um, how are you going to work with teens during, since we were having to deal with um, social distancing and everything like that? Yes. Great question. So, yes. Yeah, so I, so when I joined the team, I developed the future vote program and you know, our, our young voters and our future leaders, they have, they're very sophisticated thinkers. I don't recall when I was in middle school, I was that bright. Um, but these students are really on point. Uh, many of them are bilingual. And the great thing about the program, it's kind of like that baseball farm program before they hit the major leagues, um, yeah. where students would volunteer uh, at their neighborhood precincts. On average, we would recruit and I would train between 1,500 to 2,000 students to serve. And the goal is every two years during the even years, these students would volunteer. They will come back and volunteer between three to four hours. We, we described the whole ins and outs of the process. They also volunteer at the office. They do alphabetizing to help us pack 
some of the posters and equipment. They don't touch the equipment that voters use, right? Because you have that's staff. But all the incidentals, the rubber bands, the pens, the pencils, et cetera, the I voted stickers. And then they also help us with outreach and voter registration. And as these students come of age, once they're 16 years of age, we encourage them to serve as poll workers. So since the program uh, started, um, we actually received an award uh, from the United States Election Assistance Commission in 2018, because nationally we have the youngest poll worker force. Our average poll worker age is uh, 49.8 years of age, while nationally it's in the mid 60s. And in 2018 alone, we had over 1,400 high school students, grades six, uh, no, grades uh, 16 years of age and older, serve as poll workers side by side to our seasoned adult election judges. And so the benefit is, you know, every academic year, there's 10,000 high school students graduating, and many of them meet the requirements, the state requirements to serve. And so we're the only county nationally, and this is confirmed, that we allow students as young as sixth grades to help, sixth grade uh, students to help. But we're talking about greeters and line management. They don't, they're not touching the equipment. They're not touching the ballot. But the other incidentals, which will free our, our poll workers, our election judges, to serve our voters. So We've been blessed that, uh, you know, our leadership has allowed me to develop the program and to implement it. And since the onset, we have worked close, uh, closely with 50,000 students and over 28,000 families. Um, so it teaches them civics 101, uh, the visual experience of election day preparation, voting and service. And so we've have benefited uh, tenfold with the program. And I encourage all the other states to do said program. And I've been evangelizing the program, but you, you do have to go over that hump of worrying that these kids are too young. Uh, they're not. They're really sophisticated thinkers. And trust me, they, they will be an asset to your organization. And lastly, the great thing about the program is the hours that they give, volunteer hours, um, they actually, there's a cost savings to taxpayers. In Montgomery County, since the onset, we have, sir, uh, we have saved taxpayers over $2.2 million uh, because uh, a small task like alphabetizing, if we have a student helping us out with that, then we're not paying staff to do that. That is so great. And plus, um, and when you think about the skill of learning to lead, and especially with the younger kids, the sixth graders and seventh graders, it really is a skill and it starts there with how you greet people. Can you stand in front of people? Can you give direction? Can you take direction? And those are the skills that we we build on from year to year to year to learn to be effective leaders. And I think it's a wonderful program that you have started and I really commend you on that. So congratulations to you. Um, how do you think the pandemic will impact the election results um, and voter turnout? So, you know, and I think the voter turnout, I feel it's going to be higher than, than average uh, because of the option of voting by mail. Um, but keep in mind, uh, and this is, you know, I'm talking about Maryland. Um, we actually have started canvassing our mail-in ballots actually uh, a couple of days ago on the 6th of October. So the goal for us is, on election night, when all, all vote centers have closed on November 3rd, 
we will release any votes cast during early voting, which is October 26th through the 2nd of November. Then we will also present release results from uh, election day, which is November 3rd. And then any canvas mail-in ballots uh, from the 6th of October all the way until November 3rd. But then to respond to your question, you know, we want to uh, canvas all submitted ballots, um, you know, hopefully before December. And our deadline is the first week of December because the State Board of Elections must convene with the Electoral College. So we will do our due diligence to process the application, but we do recommend our Maryland voters, whether you're in Montgomery County or Maryland or nationally, <clears throat> to return your mail-in ballots because trust me, your election officials, they want to start canvassing those ballots as soon as possible. I do understand that some states have different requirements and different timelines, but as it pertains to Maryland, we're canvassing as ASAP. Um, and I feel that Maryland has one of the most progressive franchises in the state and hopefully other states will follow suit. Um, so how will the voting centers um, be enforcing CDC guidelines? And my experience voting during the primaries um, during this pandemic, I thought everything was so organized. I voted in person. I did not feel any apprehension about being there because there was such a great um, process in place. I mean, you know, they made sure you were six feet apart. If they gave you a pin, you had to keep it, you know, sprayed yeah. you down at the door with Lysol. <laughs> no, it wasn't exactly. that far. But, you know, um, hand sanitizer. I thought it was really, really top notch in making voters feel secure that they can vote in person. And everybody was kind of in as a team. They They realized that, you know, we have to listen to uh, the procedures that are in place and making sure that we keep everybody safe, but I, I thought everyone did a really great job. How are you going to be enforcing CDC guidelines? Same thing. We're going to implement the same infrastructure. It worked in the primaries. I think was, I think the primaries gave us kind of that rehearsal, uh, you know, that, that practice for the general, obviously the turnout will be greater. So we will ask our voters to be patient and please, I see on social media, this is not like going to Target or Home Depot uh, because, you know, when I went to Target or Home Depot, it didn't take me 30, 40 minutes to vote. Um, I went in and I went out and I was done. So just be patient, make a vote plan, do your due diligence, be mindful of who's around you uh, in front and behind you, and just be respectful for our poll workers because they're there for, they're there for you. Uh, at the end of the day, we are here to serve you. How did you feel about the primaries and um, the new, you know, the voting centers? How did you feel that that went, uh, hindsight being 2020? I think it went really well. I think the, the, the nuance was, it was kind of, you know, it was challenging to keep in mind how many individuals we were limiting inside the poll room. So that was one of the tricky things when before, you know, if you were voted in 2018 and before, you know, you guys, it was like back to back, you know, we're trying to push people into to vote as quickly as possible to check them in. But with COVID-19, you know, we, we do have to kind of, you know, bring down a couple of gears. Um, but like you said, uh, the voters, the poll workers, everyone was very gentle, uh, respectful, mindful, and, and extremely grateful. So we, we hope to see the same again uh, for November 3rd or during early voting. 
and in your corresponding uh, locality, please thank your poll worker because keep in mind, you're there for a couple of minutes once you check in, but they're there all day. Well, you know what? This has been a very enlightening conversation, exactly what I want for my listeners. I want to keep people engaged. And I just thought this conversation was so timely and so important. And I really appreciate the time you took to answer my questions. I appreciate the work that you and your team do. And I love hearing about your vantage point. So it makes people a little more appreciative of the work that goes on, um, not that's in front of them, but behind the scenes. And I I think that's wonderful. And I I thank you so much for everything that you do. Um, Tell us where our listeners can find up-to-date information about the voting process. I know every state is different, but um, maybe here in Maryland, or is there one big general one for all of the states which will direct everyone to their specific state? Yes. So, So if you need updated information as it pertains to the state of Maryland, uh, you could go to their website, which is uh, maryland.elections.gov, or, or you could just Google. Just Google Maryland State Board of Elections, and you could get the latest and greatest information, or just Google uh, your corresponding county, whether you're in Maryland or out of state. Um, but at the end of the day, we're here to serve. We need for you to make a vote plan, and we need for you to do your part, and we'll meet you halfway. Well, thank you again so much, Dr. Zalea. I really appreciate it. Please remember that your vote counts. Go vote. I hope everyone enjoyed today's episode of Cooper and Company. If you would like to contact our show, you can email us at Company at gmail.com. A huge thank you to Cindy Lynn, our associate producer for the show, and our sponsor, 1-800-Florals. Don't forget to use the link in our show notes to place an order. Remember, don't wait for change. Be the change you wish to see in the world. 